Haley from his private wealth management division. She has spent her entire 11-year career. She focuses on developing comprehensive wealth management strategies for high net worth individuals, families, foundations, and endowments as part of a team managing over $2.5 billion, that's billion with a B, in client assets. She's a proud graduate of the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, where she was on a golf scholarship, played varsity for all four years, and served as the team captain her senior season. Shannon also has an MBA from NYU's Stern School, and she is involved in several charitable organizations, including Student Sponsor Partners and Covenant House. And I first had the pleasure of meeting her on a seat for Athletics panel on leadership. So welcome back to campus, Shannon, and welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So we have a lot to get to today. We've talked about wealth management, we've talked about golf, we've talked about leadership, of course. So let's start with your career. You were obviously a tremendous golfer. Why UNC and why there in the school? Why did you choose to study there? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I grew up playing golf, and one of the goals that I had set for myself early on was to try to play golf in college and hopefully be fortunate enough to be awarded a golf scholarship. So, at the end of the day, I visited a lot of schools, and UNC just had the right fit and everything I was looking for. Good academics, I love the team, I love the coach, and I thought I could really progress both athletically and academically there. So, it turned out to be a great fit for me. Did you go to high school in... I went to high school in North Carolina, so my family moved from New Jersey to North Carolina right before I started high school, and so it was a big change for me at the time, but something that I feel like can really help me kind of know how to adapt to new situations, you know, throughout my life. So my connection to UNC is my school dormitory moved to UNC from New Jersey, which is tough to get into school, so. So why business? Yeah, so I sort of felt like it was a major... Senior year of college, it was around the holidays, and I didn't have a job yet. But again, sort of knew I wanted to be. 
in New York City, new finance was the path that I wanted to follow. And so then I kind of had this idea that wealth management would be a good fit for me. So I went to New York, I met with everybody I could that was in that field, a bunch of different firms, sort of stumbled upon the firm where I am now and met with the person who was doing the hiring. And she basically said to me, I don't have anything right now, but if you stay in touch with me over the next several months, you know, we'll see how things go. And when you graduate in May, you know, we'll see if there are opportunities. So what were you doing through the sequence or chronology? When did you contact them? Was this uh, was around the holidays okay. of my senior year? And so, you know, a couple months went by and I didn't really hear anything. And I called back and the same woman said to me, well, yep, stay in touch, continue to stay in touch, call me every week and we'll see what happens in, in a couple months. And so I took her literally, <laughs> exactly, I took her literally and I called her every Friday at like 10 a.m. I think the time and half the time she picked up, the other half she didn't. But she knew I was calling and so I think that was important and it's advice I give to young people all the time is that you really have to go out and get it sometimes. And all else being equal, I think my resume versus somebody else's who wasn't calling every week, I, I stood up. So and maybe she just wanted to she wanted, maybe she just wanted some calling. Exactly. But I think there's something to be said for showing that you wanted more than, than the next person. My chronology was I was at a conference last week in Salt Lake City uh, with the Paul Church, the leadership conference out there, and Ashton Kutcher, one of the people that I tended to speak with, and I didn't know much about his background, but when he was first starting out in the modeling six dudes in a two-bedroom studio apartment, yeah. and he would go down to the, the agency every day like it was his job. He would sit on his agent's couch yeah. for eight hours a day, and when the phone rang and the agent was, you know, moving other people, he says, well, I can do that job. Right. And because he did that, whereas his roommates would just hang out in his their apartment waiting for the filtering, he was on the front lines and treated like a job. So story, I think, in a lot similar in those. There's a number of different ways to stand out, yep. and sometimes that's can be, can be one of those. So let's talk about being a private wealth advisor at Morgan Stanley, and you are, I'm going to embarrass you, a great one. In fact, you're named to Forbes Magazine's 2017 and 2018 list of America's top next generation wealth advisors. And so for the business students, I know that at Seton Hall, you know, this is what you're doing right now would be considered a dream job. You've been at it for 11 years. What's the difference between what you thought the job was going to be like and what it is actually like, both good and bad? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say I think what's really fun about the job is that you're in front of a lot of interesting people who have been very successful in a lot of different ways. And so for me, this understanding that there isn't one path to success is, is always kind of eye-opening to me. Um, you see people come in the door and you learn from people who have, you know, been entrepreneurial or they've been... Are you talking clients or clients, colleagues? Clients, yeah. primarily clients. But I think it's a great lesson because for me, you know, I sort of followed this path that I thought was sort of a traditional path, which I thought if I did well enough, I would see some success over time. And you see all these people that have had different experiences or different ideas of how to get from point A to point and that's been really interesting to me. I think from the day-to-day component of things, it's it's kind of what I expected in the beginning. There was a lot more administrative work than I anticipated. And I think it's important to note because a lot of young people, you know, you, you get great experience here on campus and in the business school, and, you, you know, you get a new job and you're being asked to do some things that, you know, you don't necessarily 
lot of different services and you know opportunities to help people. Now it may be you know with their finances, and but that's an important part of helping people do what they want to do in their lives and, and achieve their goals. So that's important to me. I would say as I've progressed through my career, having a skill set that is valued outside of my field has been something that's really important to me. So in the recent you know months, I've been asked to sit on a couple boards and, and do some things that are charity related, and it makes me feel proud that I have a skill set now that people value and that sort of translates in other areas. Can we talk about that skill set? Sure. What skills do you think you have relied on most that have enabled you to achieve so much success, and what are those skills that have been seeing other people value at these charity boards? Yeah, sure. So one of them is just you know understanding the way markets work and finances work and investments work. That's sort of the hard skill. On the softer side of things, just knowing how to deal with people and all types of people, some really successful, and you know knowing how to navigate a big firm. Sure. I think they're all things that are important. I mean, the people thing is is really huge. What prepared you for that? Because I think that that's another kind of area where Gen Z folks it goes in a stereotypical lot is they're very teched up. Yeah. But they may be lacking some of the people skills that previous generations have. Yeah. I think like anytime you can get in front of people and have a conversation <laughs> exactly that's not over the internet. I mean I can't even believe I'm saying this because it seems like it's so that's not a natural thing. But the reality is I think in some of the at the time we're living in with some younger people it's not. So Exactly, exactly. I mean, being on a team, you know, being on the golf team was, was big for that, but it doesn't have to be a sport. It could be anything that you're involved in and be involved in your community, volunteer. Just, I think there's so many problems in the world, it seems, all the time, but when you start you know, being involved in a charity or volunteering for a cause that you believe in and you see other people out there doing good in the world, it's not only inspiring, but it just makes you feel better. <laughs> and that's dealing with people. Do you want to give a shout out to your, uh, your charities? Yeah, sure. So one of the things that I did within the last couple of years was I did the Covenant House Sleep Out in New York. And so basically what that was was you raised money and you slept on the street in solidarity with children who are homeless. And the way I got into that was actually pretty interesting for a client and friend who had extended many kindnesses to me over the years. And I felt like I could never really repay him for or reciprocate for nice things that he'd done for me. And so my idea was, you know, what are the charities that you're involved in that are important to you and maybe I can give back in that way. And Covenant House was one of those big ones. And so that sort of led to the <laughs> led to the sleep out. So that was that was pretty neat. I'm just curious, what time of year is this sleep November. So there's one in November and one in March. Wow. Um, the last one in March was pretty snowy, so I, I think I got lucky in November. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's been great. And then some of the golf related the WMGA is a local tri-state area competitive golf organization. I sort of learned to play and learned to compete and learned to love the sport through this organization. So it's been great to be in a, be able to come back, you know, 20 years later and, and work with them. First tee of the metropolitan area is another one. Same thing, the first tournament I ever played in as a child was in New Jersey and it was with a person who was in the first tee. So I have a lot of respect for what they do, helping sort of underserved youth in the area. So, good segue. So, yeah. a little bit of, uh, of golf. So, you're a great golfer. You were on scholarship, right? You went 
scene, as you mentioned at the outset, a four-year starter, a camp captain. What did golf teach you about life and leadership that you're using today at Northwest Leonard? Sure. Yeah, so first off, I mean, obviously, to get good at anything, you have to spend a lot of hours, and golf is kind of solitary hours. <laughs> but I think the big thing with me with golf is that, you know, I've had some successes that, that I'm proud of, but I've also had a lot of failures. And when you play an individual sport, you're really exposed. Like, it's no, just their fault. Exactly. <laughs>
ministry. So, you know, you get that from Hebrew, you get that from Bailey, kind of, you know, email, and then you get that from Lily. And so, in my personal time, I like to sort of expand my horizons a little bit. So, sometimes that's reading leadership books. There's a book called Good to Great, which I like read. Exactly. So, I stumbled upon this one a couple years ago. My grandfather passed away, and he was an avid reader and had this kind of huge bookshelf that I was going through. I'm looking for something to read, and I think it's so interesting when you have people who really collect books the way he did, because you can kind of try to piece together like what they were thinking about in certain periods of their lives based on what they were reading. But this uh, book that you read from um, Shelf, and really it's about what makes companies really excel, great companies last over time. But great chapter on transformational leaders. Leaders, exactly. So this level five leader concept, and really, uh, and you can correct me if I'm sort of out of this. <laughs> You know more, more about this than I do, but lower five leaders are people who are humble um, and who are really focused on sort of the vision of the company or the cause and less focused on themselves. And I think that's a great sort of more academic type leadership book, but there are all these books out there and autobiographies, I think, or biographies in particular that show people doing that in practice. Totally. So one of an example of a book like that that I've read recently is Fortitude Faith about Robinson and Grant Shirky's relationship. Cool. And it was basically Grant Shirky, you know, wants to integrate baseball and he's looking for the right person to you know, help him in this journey. And he thinks that that person in his mind has to be grounded in faith and this belief that there's a greater cause for what they're doing. And that's what we saw in Jackie Robinson. So it's a really interesting book that sort of goes back to this transformational level five leader concept and they're doing it in, in practice really. Second or third reason yeah. can I come on um, as I mentioned you can go to yeah. the and a multitude of disciplines that have you know are that quickly done up. Yeah. Okay, some more difficult questions, but sure. we, we do have to wrap up. Okay. Have you ever consulted Nicole on how the doctor was for your client? Absolutely, and I do it every 